Live from Studio Kia, huh? I am live from Studio Kia. Kia Sorrento right. Studio. They're paying me to say that too. <laughs> All right. Let me get my I'm 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 uh paid by Peloton. I think Kia has a bigger budget than Peloton. They might be struggling after uh everyone's back Probably. at, you know. Yeah. So social settings, gyms. My wife um didn't just get the Peloton bike. We also needed the Peloton Peloton tread. So here we are. Of course. You can't you can't just dip your toe in the sand in the water. All right. So today we're going to do subscriber AMA, which stands for Ask Me Anything. So um I'm gonna play a couple of these for you to see if you can hear. I'm still trying to learn how to incorporate them into the podcast. As far as like editing them in, I'm not sure how that works with video. So anyways, just bear with us. Uh, but I'm going to play the first one and tell me if you can hear it. Copy that. Okay. Then for right. Next, I'm like a big fan of you guys. Hey, can y'all go over what y'all do on research call number two before you set up the million dollar one cheater? Thanks. Did you hear that? I did. All right, that's awesome, on. man. I feel yeah. so legit now. We made it. Yeah, who needs? Yeah, right. Who needs teeth too? Right? Like you can be, uh, you can be an influencer. You don't need teeth. You can work out with a CrossFit shirt. I mean, you can record with a CrossFit shirt. It's the power of technology, baby. I like it. Give me one second. Let me get my headphones on. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I went by to actually buy a real, uh, like fancy uh, podcast uh, mic uh, from Best Buy, and I saw that it was 175 bucks. And I said, "Nah, nah, dog, that's too much." So uh, <laughs> we're gonna keep doing this. Got I'll some more insurance. I, I spent $32 on a lobster roll yesterday, uh, which was amazing, uh, but I won't spend $175 on a speaker. Hey, man. Food is, uh, food is food. It's different. All right. So let me play that again for you, for everybody. This is from uh, our friend Noah. And also, let me say, if you're a subscriber, we appreciate it, right? Like, um, that's what we're here for. Um, we appreciate that you are a subscriber. And that you pitched in a couple of bucks. We want to try to do these um, at least monthly, maybe every other week. We'll see how it plays out with our schedules, but we, we really appreciate you being a subscriber and we're here to, to help you. So if you've not left us a question, please leave us a question. If you just go to the show notes, there'll be a link there that gives you the um, basically way to go leave us a voice message and then we'll play it on the show and see if we can't, can't help you out. So I'm going to play that again. You understand what he's asking? Yeah, research call number two before the million dollar. Be, so basically, the last research meeting before the final presentation. 
Yeah, and before we do that, let's let's for the people who are just joining us, let's like kind of walk through our our process just for context, and then we can kind of answer that question. Sure, and uh, yeah, because I actually would. I'm kind of curious. I'll, I'll answer both of them just in case. I don't know what he means, but call number one is just your cold call. Hey, can I have you know 10, 15 minutes? That's being set up by asking about due diligence, and then the first call is not a research meeting. I don't look at it that way. I think you're in agreement with me here, Max, but it's just more of a 10 to 15 minute conversation, high level about their business, a couple questions, high level about insurance, how they under, what's their understanding of how the game is played. Then us sharing how the game is played and what some other companies are doing differently than just quoting their insurance to do due diligence to make sure they're not overpaying or missing anything. So that's meeting one, I would say. Meeting two is the research meeting. Um, there's two components to the research meeting and then, uh, component one is gathering the docs and the information, which isn't really a meeting, but, and then component two is then taking that information and then deriving questions from it and asking questions beyond just coverage as well. This is where you get into all the other things, which we'll dive into. And then I think step three is the million dollar one sheet or the final proposal, right? So presentation. Yep. Okay. So back to the question at hand, I think research call number two, right? So he's talking about what questions are we asking after we've reviewed the policies and then diving in. Yep. Okay. Basically, <laughs> basically the cheat sheet that you sent me last week. Sure. It's basically what it is. That's what he's asking. And so I'm, I'm going to go in after you give your dissertation on it, I'm going to go in and, and fancy it up a little bit and I'm just going to give it away to all the subscribers. Yeah, that's awesome. That's 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 value right there, because to be honest, we're doing this show kind of live on my end. So we didn't want to feel the questions beforehand. We're trying to just take them as we get them. So they're, you're not getting canned answers. So, yeah, I think that's a great idea, uh, Max, to send that out, because so here's the here's the thing for the people listening, just to give you a taste of what would be covered. One is going to be OK. When you look at a policy, it might look great. Right. But the limits could be way off. So this is where you you do ask some questions around limits. You do ask some questions around um, type of exposures that they do, type of work they do. Maybe you saw that they're all in a, a plumbing code and and you start to ask them, hey, is all your work plumbing? No, we do some electrical. Well, then this is where you derive those questions out of. So you just would say, hey, Mr. Business Owner, is I just curious, is all your work plumbing? Right. And you just ask it like that. You don't necessarily let them on that you found something or you have some curiosity. That's what you say for the final presentation. This is just purely asking them questions and then either verifying that their agent has programmed them correctly or not. You don't want to give away kind of the sauce right at this research call with them. Um, no, I wouldn't say withhold it. If they really dig, if you have a client that's like, why is something wrong? What's going on? You know, then, then just shoot them straight. Like, I don't know yet. I just need to kind of ask more information, but I, I think something seems a little off here, but I'll, I'll let you know next week when we get that final presentation set up, you know, kind of just what their appetite a bit. Um, but then the questions I like to ask around are, um, you know, of course, uh, pre-annual strategy meeting. Hey, wh what does that look like for you guys? And I ask them just really open-ended. I'm not, a, I'm not even asking like a wedge style question. Like when you do a pre-renewal strategy meeting, does it look, what does it look like? You can set, you can ask it that way, but I also, sometimes it's just like, Hey, what do you guys do for your pre-renewal strategy meeting? And then they might say, well, what do you mean? Well, you can get into that. You know, Hey, what I mean is four months prior, do you guys, when you guys talk about your upcoming renewal, what does that look like? Oh, we don't do that at all. We'd never have, you know, and just say, okay. But again, you're not coming at them like, oh man, got to sell them right here. No, that's not the purpose of this. It's just take the notes, withhold yourself. Delayed gratification is a major skill for all of us. I think we could learn. Um, 
So I'm trying to teach my two-year-old, right? Um, so, uh, so renewal strategy meeting, I'll ask about uh, claims, of course, uh, and then ask their experience around the claims. I'll ask about uh, their profitability. Do you know how profitable you are? Well, what do you mean? Well, are you making, is the insurance company making money off you or, or losing money? We don't know. We've never been shown that. Okay. Well, now you got a little another quiver, right? To add to your other arrows or another arrow to add to your quiver. Um, the other thing I like to ask, so, you know, how often have you met with underwriters over the last couple of years? If this is a larger account, smaller accounts probably won't, but, oh, we never do. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's your, when you and your agent talk about a narrative or kind of build out your story for the submission to make sure that the underwriters, you know, see you in the best light possible. Do you participate in that or, or not? No, no, we really don't. We just trust right. So you can kind of see where I'm going with this. I think Max, you know, I, I have a, I have, because this is live, I don't have my list in front of me, but Max sure. is going to send it out to you, Noah and others who are subscribers. Um, Cause it's a really good list. Uh, and I think it covers all these topics, but that's just the gist of the kind of questions. It would be, we could do a full 40 minute conversation on this stuff. Sure. Um, okay. So just, just to go back, you know, we, we have the initial cold call in uh, using the one million script. Okay. And then basically what we're just trying to point them to is, is like, Hey, can we hop on a 15 minute call to, you know, see if, if this makes sense, if this works for you. And then they're going to say yes or no. And I typically, uh, if I can, I do that 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 first meeting uh, in person. But I know you do a lot over the phone, okay? So it's really up to you. Um, and then on that first meeting, it's just a lot of big, high-level stuff. Um, and kind of explaining how the insurance game works. You're asking for copies of policies uh, last year's renewal proposal, um, you know, whatever you can get your hands on. Okay. And then you're then setting another appointment, which we're really calling like, this is your deep research meeting where you've gotten the policies you've gone through, you've audited, you've looked at different things. And then if, if you have any semblance of knowledge from a coverage perspective, you're going to see things that you're like, oh, red flag, or hmm, I should ask about that limit. That looks low. Or you, you kind of have these basic underwriting questions that you want. It, it's more like clarification on some things. Then that second half is where you're kind of getting into what you talked about, right? Like almost more of like these uh, in-depth like service questions. What's your pre-renewals? And if you haven't read The Wedge by Randy Schwantz, uh, or Schwantz, whatever. He does a really good job of this in this in that book. I highly recommend it. Um, but you're almost like you're asking questions, uh, and you kind of already know what the answer is. But you're like you're just leading them further down the process, or what he calls a wedge, where you just you're driving that wedge a little bit deeper. When you get like when you ask that question, like, "Well, is your?" pre-renewal strategy meeting look like and they say oh what's that we're, we're not seizing for the kill we're just like oh well typically with my clients i do x y and z but that you know that's interesting we'll talk about that more um so but that's kind of what that re that that deep research meeting looks like is that is that am i getting that right yeah 
Yep. Uh, yeah. And I would say just before that meeting, you can even have these questions typed out, written down. This is one one area where you don't want to really wing it because that I think the first meeting is what you want to be more conversational. This can be still conversational, but you want to make sure you get these questions asked. And I think one good thing to think about, too, is don't ask questions. You know, if your company doesn't have an internal risk manager, uh, don't go out there asking questions, making that a big bullet point, right? I mean, kind of figure out where your strengths are as an agency. What do you do well as an agent yourself? And then that's where you're kind of asking the questions around to to your client. Uh, as and, well. a, and, a, and a lot of these steps, get just depending on how conversations go, they can kind of blend together, right? Like you yeah. talk about this all the time. A lot of times that initial cold call, it kind of leads into that first meeting where you start talking about, hey, here's how the insurance game works you know, X, Y, and Z, yada, yada, yada. And so it's almost like you've gotten it out of the way. So don't feel like that you have to like, just do this itemized step-by-step process. Um, if you can get a lot of it out of the way on that first call, by all means, go ahead. And then you leave, you leave that first cold call with all the high level questions you asked and they're sending you policies. So that way, then literally your second touch is this research research meeting. So yeah, and you don't the reason is so to be dogmatic about like call one, call two, call three, call four. A lot of times, it just plays itself out naturally. Yeah, and the reason it's so important, everyone, is because you, this is how you pick up BORs or get hired without finding anything, right? This research meeting, so you really, you kind of walk away. From, and and I would also say this: just because you think something's nothing, doesn't mean the buyer does either. Like there was, I remember one time I was doing this review, came back out there. The guy didn't have um, EBL, employee, employee, or no, EPLI, Employment Practice Liability Insurance, right? Which a lot of agents just offer haphazardly and most clients say no, but you know, some say yes, whatever just depends on their appetite. Well, anyways, I get out with a proposal on a $30,000 revenue account. He's with a national agency. The guy flips back and he's like, this right here, what, tell me more about this. <laughs> Literally goes to my... He's like, I'm like, EPLI, yeah, it's coverage for, you know, uh, third-party claims or employee claims for harassment, whatever. And he's like, I, I that, that scares me, man. I don't have that. I've never been talked to about that, right? So it's just, yeah, that, you know, you could set up so many things. I mean, there's countless of stories you and I both have where you get a BUR based on, like, my renewals are always late. And they don't tell you that in that first meeting, right, that they just want to hire you. But you, you do all this. That's what's kind of cool. You do this due diligence, and it kind of also builds that, like, rapport and respect amongst the buyer and they're like oh man i can trust this guy and now i will hire him because my renewal's late right in the beginning first meeting i would have hired him for a late renewal because i didn't really quite trust him but man he's showing me he's asked some really good questions i think the quality of questions you ask is is a great way to differentiate yourself guys yeah you're, so. you're asking questions that nobody else is asking so it's literally everybody else is selling apples you know coming in hey can i quote can i quote or hey can i audit your policies da, da, da. And, and you're selling oranges. It's a, it's a completely different thing, and it's 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 a way to stand out. And let me also be clear. I just want to go back. When we say we both have had tons of BRs, let's be honest. You've had way more than me. Uh, I've only had, <laughs> I've only had a handful. But um, uh, anyways, all right. So I think I think we I think we circled the wagons pretty good on that one. Agreed. All right. Thanks, this one. Thanks, Noah. Yeah, this one's from Marcus. This one's a little bit longer. Uh, okay. So so hang tight here. Hopefully I don't forget it. I'm a subscriber and an experienced uh, producer. Now shifting to something I've sort of explored and played with the uh, last few years, which is pure like broker selections, the larger accounts. That's how I found you all. And I uh, appreciate what you're doing. I could use some guidance on 
once I present unique services and a plan to lower their experience on prevent claims and how to contrast that with their current broker, um, how to really ask for the business and then how to follow up for a decision, how to like really contrast what we do versus what they do. And uh, basically I did them recently for a roofer. And at the end I said, you know, just let me know if you're ready to hire us, what that means when you fire your broker. And um, we would do the things I proposed and you can see what they're doing for you now. But we'll do some insight on how to ask, how to separate ourselves and then how to find Okay. Got it. Yeah. So just so everyone can hear clearly, basically you present and now you want to know how do you kind of close? How do you ask for, where do we go from here? Right. Um, do you remember what we were taught at our former agency at that final slide? How do you want to proceed? Yeah. You know, I, I actually kind of like that um, as a good closing question because it's putting the ball back in their court and it's also open-ended. You're not, you're not uh, pressuring them, but you're still making them kind of make a decision. Um, so I've kind of used that a lot of times. So when I get done presenting, what I do is um, I'll, I'll have like a next step slide, you know, basically, or maybe a summary. Hey, this is everything you said. Here's kind of ultimately what we can do for you. Um, and then I'll just put a little, or on my one pager, here's just I'll, the last bullet is going to be next steps. And I'll just say, Hey, and I'm not high pressure. I guess I don't, this is an area where maybe I could get better at, or maybe it just doesn't really matter as much as I think it matters, or maybe people make it out to matter. Um, but I just think, yeah, hey, this is everything I had for you. I would enjoy the opportunity to work with you. I really think. I lost you. I cut out there. Someone called me. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I can hear you now. Go ahead. Okay. So anyways, um, I would love to work with you. Um, I th I'm, I'm confident we can help you. However, you know, you, this is your decision to make. I told you I wasn't going to twist your arm today. So all I would say is that if you're going to, if you're going to hire us and allow us to do our best work, we need a decision at least in the next, you know, seven days, 10 days. I'm not going to say you gotta make a decision now. I'm, that's just not my style. And, um, and that's all I kind of leave him with. I said, so what do you, what are you thinking? And like, how would you like me to proceed from here? How would you like us to proceed together, move forward together? And then, so then I'm putting the ball back in his court. Cause usually they're like, yeah, yeah. And they'll kind of maybe ask you some buying questions or whatever, but that's, that's kind of my style of closing out that meeting. Um, and then I ask right there, I also ask, I'm going to ask for permission to follow up and before that meeting's over as well. So maybe he says, well, let me think about it. Give me a couple of days of it. Hey, no problem. That's, that's totally fine. Is there anything I could provide that'd be more helpful to, to, you know, just give you more confidence in whatever route you decide to go. And then, then if they say no or yes or whatever, and they'll say, okay, great. And then the last thing I was like, Hey, just, you know, part of my job is to follow up with people. I know you have other priorities besides just this decision and other and insurance. So when would you recommend I follow up with you? When would be the best? I told you, you know, seven days is probably the la longest. Is that if I don't hear from you in seven days, is it fine for me to reach back out? And then I'm getting their permission right then and there. So that's kind of how, that's pretty much how I go about doing it. I don't have a huge thought out kind of script that I use on that. What about you? Um, I, I really like the line, how would you like to proceed? Because uh, I think it puts the ball in their court. It's very short and to the point. I think a lot of times, me personally, when you go to close, you don't want to come on too strong. 
but you also want to make sure that you do enough. So you end up kind of like fumbling and then there's this uncertainty, you know, in the insurance space, you know, we have a lot of certainty around our coverage expertise or our services that and the other, and then it comes to where we need to close and, 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 and we fumble. And I think a lot of times we, or I say we, I can only speak for myself. I think a lot of times uh, I've lost kind of that leverage when you do that. So I think just ha- keeping it very concise, here's what they're not providing. Here's how I can fix those solutions. And then asking for the business, you know, I'd really like to hire. I'd really like for you to hire me. I'd really love to work with you. That being said, how would you like to proceed? And then just pause and let them decide. And then you're going to get a couple of responses. It's like, oh, we need a day or two to think about it. It's like, okay, that's great. Do you mind? Can we set a time for me to follow up with you on Wednesday? And then just pause. I think the, I think a lot of times when we try to close, we try to do too much when actually we should do less. It should just be very short, concise to the point. And then there's a lot of power in that silence. Right. Um, And we don't give away the the power in the pause. Power in the pause, baby. I should coin that term. Yeah, we can trademark (laughs) it. Trademark that thing. Um, So how would how how would you like to proceed? Kind of to close it out without being a hard sell, having some type of time bound element that and and telling them you will follow up, uh, and then just pausing. You know, not that you want them to squirm, but don't. I mean, don't give them an out. You know, it's like, well, we'd like for you to work with us. Uh, Okay, well. all right, I'll guess I'll call you tomorrow. Like, no, just pause. Like, m- make them make a commitment, or at least make them make them punt. Um, a lot of times, you can talk yourself right out of a close. Yeah, and if you're pausing, guys, also understand that three seconds will feel like three minutes. That's <laughs> just that's the way it works with silence. I mean, just try it. Like, even we talked about this on our cold calls, but like, dude, it's crazy. I mean, just how long time feels, you know. But you and I have role played before on this stuff. And when I'm the one who's receiving your call and you're the one pausing, it feels longer on your end. It doesn't feel as long on my end. It just right. feels concise and it and it and it you feel the need to fill that empty space because it's just human nature. Someone says X, so then you have to respond. So it might be awkward on your end for pausing, but on the person who's receiving it, it doesn't come across awkward because there's just two different dynamics there. So, and that just, if you don't role play, highly recommend because there's little nuances in, in those interpersonal interactions that you only get uh, when you role play. So hi- highly recommend that. I agree. Um, let's go on to, this is my man, Levi. What's up, uh, Levi? Levi is from the frozen tundra of Canada, which you will hear, and he does not say about, he says a boot. So, oh, don't you know? Don't okay. you know? So, uh, we're not making fun of you. I lived in Vancouver for a while, uh, and I know, I mean, you're a Yankee, you're freaking from Wisconsin, so Wisconsin. that's Canada, that's Canada in my book. So, uh, anyways, I'll play Levi's message here. Tips and insights you've given throughout the newsletter and the podcast. They've really changed the way that I uh, deal with my clients and my prospects. It's been uh, truly revolutionary, so thank you so much. I wanted to just chat about uh, reaching out to business owners. We live in a very small province up in Canada, so about a million people total through the entire province. 
there's not a whole lot of opportunity to find that information on Zoom Info or Lusha or any of those lead development websites. So how do you recommend getting in touch with the business owner when they still have to get through reception, but they're not big enough that uh, their information, like cell phone info, will be posted on, on one of those lead generation sites? Thanks, an Ambassador. Take care. Wow. Revolutionized, man. That's awesome. That's why we do this stuff. Uh, that's, that's I cool. mean, that's big shoes to fill right there. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's I awesome. Don't know, I don't know if I have that club in my bag. Yeah, uh, me neither. But hey, thanks, Levi. Um, all right. So you can't find a prospect's information. What do you do? Well, a couple different things I'm thinking uh, drop in, you know, and just make friends with that receptionist. I did this first couple years of insurance in my career. Um, and it might take a couple drops, right? Not just first time, but, and don't just ask, just bring, give like, Hey, Susie, do you know who handles the insurance? I'm, I'm just trying to maybe get in front of them. You know, do you know what, what, what is they, what do they usually prefer, you know, to try to, how do they ever talk with new salespeople? I imagine they do from time to time, right? Just be, just be a human, man. Like don't over sleazify the drop in, right? Just be human and treat that gatekeeper, ask her name. And then this might take a couple attempts, right? So now that's the way that's more of the long-term approach, right? Because you're not going to just drop in every week, but maybe every two, three weeks you stop in, say hi to the receptions. And then finally she feels comfortable giving you some information or they might just have their card sitting right there on the dang desk, right? As you walk in, I've, I've gotten cell phone numbers that way. Um, and actually Max, a uh, really cool story about how I got a cell phone number once though. Let's, I'll get into that in a second, but don't let me forget. Uh, it has to do with Jimmy John's. Um, nice. Cream pubs, <laughs> other... Jimmy John's, this guy. Yeah. Quickest way to someone's wallets through their belly, right? Common theme. Um, the other way is met Facebook. A lot of people are up on Facebook, um, even more than LinkedIn. I think a lot of boomers and just people that own businesses are still on Facebook because that was coming out when they were in college. If they're 50 right now, Facebook came out when they were 30 right? When it was kind of cool. So um, don't discount Facebook or just Google searching. Uh, you know, and that's Google searching is interesting. You can just start to type their name and just scroll down three, four, five pages, right? I think it's worth looking that much and spending maybe three, four minutes just Google searching real quick. Uh, those are, I think the only ways, I mean, there's no silver bullet to this. You can also pay a company to try to, to try to mine their data i think we mentioned my boy ad at task minions um shout out to you ad uh, i've referred him to several people he'll give him a list for you know i'm not going to give out his pricing but it's very affordable and he'll go try to find the the name of a decision maker and also their direct dial number so that's another way to to do it i think beyond that i mean i don't think if anyone's telling you they got a magic formula beyond those things i, I think they're lying to you yeah so uh as far as like writing a ton of new business i, I never feel uh I always feel like a little bit of an imposter with that because I've been doing it a lot, a uh, lot less than not, not as long as you have. Uh, and frankly, you know, I mean, I'm still entrenched. So I never feel great about like talking about how to write all this business, but there's one thing I can do for damn sure. And that's prospect and get a damn meeting. Uh, so a couple of things that I wrote down on here was first thing I thought about when he was talking was Google, right? So like if you have a niche or you have something that you're chasing, uh, just typing in, you know, restaurants near me or 
plumbers near me or, you know, manufacturer or whatever. I mean, uh, insert industry plus near me is, uh, is probably as good as there is. And let's keep in mind, I mean, it's only been the last five or six years that we've had Zoom Infos and Lusha and all these different, you know, ways that you could find businesses. So we you wouldn't Levi, you would not be the first person to ever encounter this problem. So that's at least one feather in your cap. So Google's number one. Number two, you mentioned drop-ins, but I guess for me, when I hear Levi's question, it's more like, okay, I, well, I can drop in, but like, how do I find people to drop into? And so one of the things that I did is um, you'll, you'll find a lot of companies that kind of group together, right? So maybe industrial parks, uh, warehouse districts, um, you know, even like main streets, right? Let's say you're, you're doing restaurant and hospitality. Like, well, maybe you just, you know, pick a couple of the main streets in different cities around where you are, and you're going to pick one day a week and kind of just hit people up and go do drop-ins. And as you're driving and you see one, you're like, Oh, there's somebody, let me stop in and drop a card. Um, so they, they, they tend to kind of group together in certain areas of the town. So learning different parts of the area, you might not know who the hell you're calling on, but if you just go drive through an industrial park, you're going to find all kind of warehouses and HVAC and, you know, mechanical contractors and whatever. So that's a good idea. Um, the, uh, the last thing that I was going to say is, um, no, I guess that's it. I, I wrote my notes down. I guess it was just those three. Okay, so, so anyways, what, what's your, what's your, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, on the, the only thing I would add to that on the drop-ins, just driving around, that can be a little inefficient. What I would probably recommend is find, at least have five to ten set drops in, in mind, and then kind of explore in between those. So you're at least kind of staying a little bit on task or on path. Well, that's what you were doing at Federated, right? So you you would definitely yep. learn well, 10 to, to 20 drops a day. Yeah. That's freaking insane. So when I when I have done just kind of like, man, I need to get out of the office. I'm going to go ramble around and see people. I'd say seven or eight is the most I could do on a good day, right? Because it is a finish, inefficient. Um, yeah. But if it's My all you got, all time record I think was 29, 28 drops. That's insane. insane. All just right, what's robot, your cell, what's your cell phone story? <laughs> and then we got one more question. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, there was a plumber in town. I was in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Oh yeah, and Miles, uh, ground, yeah. baby. Yeah. Which, for all of our listeners, Max and I didn't know we lived in the same city at the same time. This would have been like ten years ago, which was kind of cool. But anyways, um, I'm at a Jimmy John's eating lunch because that's what I do when you're out on the road. And Dude, I, I, no way, I, I lived at that Jimmy John's right across the street from uh, that gas station, right? Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. There's, I think there's only one or two. There's down. only one. So, I, I was yeah. on the north side of Sheboygan. Was it the Jimmy John's on the north side? I believe so. That's wild. We, we I may- eat there like three days a week. Italian nightclub. Man, we up. Beach club on wheat, baby, with some hot peppers. Um, okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry. Anyway, so I'm at Jimmy John's, dude. And you know how they, these companies have the buckets with drop your business cards in there? So yep. I look, I just, I'm, you know, I'm about to drop mine in or something. I don't know what I was going to do. And I look in there and I see, oh, I won't say the name, but SXYZ Plumbing. And I'm like, ah, owner. <laughs> I don't know if I, I can't remember did I, if I took the, the dang card out or if I just 
wrote it down or took a pic. This was before smartphones were really that smart. So I, I don't know if I took a picture. Or I even had the wherewithal to do so. But anyways, I got his number. I called the guy. Uh, I was like, hey, his name's Corey. And he's like, how'd you get my number, man? I'm like, <laughs> I was like dude, I, I started laughing. I was like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, but I was at Jimmy John's, man. I saw your truck outside. I see your card in the, in the bucket. <laughs> I saw your number out there. I called it. And he laughed. Secrets, and anyways, secret he, sales hack. Go and find the yeah. drop a card bucket at your nearest, you know, Mexican restaurant. That's he ends hilarious. Up, he ends up being a client though, man. Sold him, uh, got his business insurance. We sold him disability insurance. I think life insurance. So yeah, great guy. Thanks, Corey, that, for being understanding. That's awesome. That's so cool. All right. Uh, last question here. I'm going to read it because this guy emailed it to me. I have no idea if he's a subscriber, but Jonathan, I got you. I'm going to read this anyways, but unless you're a subscriber, you won't be able to hear it. So anyways, it says, Hey Max question for you guys to discuss. I have recently run into issues with two carriers regarding accounts of theirs that I took via BOR. One of these was with Cincinnati and the other was with Penn national. Cincinnati gave me a very hard time about the BOR when I told them honestly that I would be taking this account to market as it had not been marketed properly in 10 years. The customer was in the middle of a three-year term policy, and essentially, Cincinnati would not be able to sharpen their pencil even if they wanted to because of the locked-in three-year rates. Cincinnati is a very important relationship to our agency, but I also always want to do what is in the best interest of my client. On this one, Cincinnati agreed to honor the BOR and said that they'd let it slide on this one account to take it to market. They did lightly threaten <laughs> that if I make a habit of BORing Cincinnati business and changing the carrier, there would be a serious conversation about our relationship with Cincinnati. I do not appreciate the attitude in which they spoke to us as if we are captive to them, but I also recognize they're an important tool to our agency. As a rule, I will give every shout, I will give every shred of doubt, every, uh, as a rule of some, I will give, I guess he's trying to say every bit of grace to the current carrier that I can to keep the business and always give them last look. Have you guys run into this? What is your take on this situation and how you'd handle this with underwriters who are bitter about helping us execute a BOR and then switching carriers for better terms and conditions or rate? And if you don't want to answer this because you are a little bit more, what's the word, politically correct, I'd be happy to answer it, but I don't know that you'd like my answer. So, um, Let me say this. I think it's absolutely hogwash that any carrier would try to bully an agent into not doing what's best for the client. Um, I've made posts on this way back in the day when I first started posting on LinkedIn, like 2018, I was always posting about this kind of stuff. Like what? And I think I distinctly remember one year I was like, made a video about this kind of topic. And I'm like, it's just silly to me. It's there, there has to be a time and I get why carriers maybe don't want to change everything, but they should at least recognize a new agent on the, on that, on the admin side of it. Right. But this is more, which really frustrates me. Right. Because all this guy is saying, he's being honest with you. 
you know, in this case, it's Cincinnati, but maybe there's other carriers that do this. And I have nothing against, I think Cincinnati's a great carrier too. So um, I don't think, I'm not going to say they're going to get us in trouble. It's just, to me, it's frustrating because it's like, okay, guys, he's trying to do the right thing. Uh, what do you, the reason agents get such a bad rap is because they get lazy, right? And just carriers, so you know this, the way that clients see you, a lot of times, a lot of clients, they're very skeptical. And they think agents are basically in bed with the underwriter. And that's why their premiums get so fat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is what they, that's what they think. Whether you like it or not, that is what I've heard. That is literally the, the term in bed. They, they, I've heard that 50 times. My wife doesn't even like me saying that. Like, she's like, that's kind of a derogatory analogy. I'm like, it's just the, the term that I've heard, right? And maybe because I deal with too many construction guys. I don't know. Um, so that's what they already think about you. So how do you get over this and try to, because as carriers, we always talk about partnering with clients and building all this trust. Well, one is don't drop them once they have a claim or jack up their premiums immediately, right? Um, but but two is when an agent takes over a new account and just tries to do their thing, sharpen your pencil. If, if you know that the agent you were just working with that got fired was getting too lazy, guess what? That's kind of, that's business. I mean, clients, they, they won't necessarily, they'll stay with you, Cincinnati, or any carrier. If you guys work with them, I think they won't leave over a couple of bucks. Some will, but that's not the kind of client anybody wants anyways. And usually most agents are would coach a client if it's, it's if it's a difference of 2000 bucks or just slightly difference, I would coach my clients. Hey, I don't, the longer you can stay with the carrier, the better from your, from just the optics side of things. So if you want to leave to make Mr. Business owner, but man, I would recommend stay, staying with Cincy. Now you don't want to do this practice every year and, you know, become the boy who cried wolf, but Hey, they sharpen their pencil. They realize the old agent kind of got, didn't hold their feet to the fire. I'm the new agent. That's what I'm doing here. But, um, but yeah, so that's kind of, I know I was kind of talking all over the place, but it's just frustrating to me uh, because we're not captive agents, right? But we do, we do have to, our carrier partner relationships are extremely important because without those, we have nothing to offer our clients. So it is a fine line. And this is where consent, right? And issues like this, big, well, how can they truly do what's best for you? Because they, they have these big uh, contingency bonuses, right? And I don't know, my opinion personally, as a, as a, as an agent, I think we should always do what's best for the client. Number one. And, and I would, it just frustrates me that a carrier would try to bully you for doing the right thing. I can't remember this guy's name, but that that's what frustrates Jonathan. me. It's like, yeah. Jonathan, like, why are they trying to bully him? I mean, he was being honest with you. He wasn't being shady and just pulling it. And, and just to be honest, uh, my best practice when I be or anything is first year we do do a full blown marketing effort. Now it, I'd say half the time we've moved people half the time we don't. So that's not my, prerogative and the reason i'm doing it is to move someone and i would tell the carriers this you know the underwriters big my goal is not to move them that's my goal is to kind of be as objective as possible to to do a full-blown marketing assessment i will because you've been on it so long you know if in the last look thing is a whole other thing but because you've been on it so long cincinnati or whoever the incumbent is i i if someone comes in extremely low i will let you know and just have that conversation i'm gonna give you their price because you wouldn't want the same thing but i'll at least let you know like hey someone is like here around here just resharpen your pencil man if you want to keep this account i don't know there's no perfect way to answer this and if someone says again they have the perfect way to answer this they're i think they're kind of lying because there's so much nuance to this but anyways sure. i'll stop talking let's it, sound, it sounds to me like jonathan handled it right right like agree you, you're trying to take so jonathan i don't know that we have a, a silver bullet answer for you but it sounds like your number one priority was to take care of the client right and it seems like you're doing that number two i don't think Anybody likes the position we find ourselves in as agents where we're trying to do two competing things at the same time. We're trying to keep the carrier happy, but we're also trying to keep the client happy. We're trying to be transparent with both like 
we're, we're in a tough spot, right? Like that's, I think that's one of the hardest parts about what we do. Um, but I would just, you know, so I say all that to say, Jonathan, I don't know that we have a great answer for you. It sounds like you handled it well. Uh, probably handled it better than I would. I'll tell you that. Um, I was just going to say this story. We, we, um, at my, at my old agency, we had a, we had an exclusive contract for us for, um, for, uh, towing companies. Right. And so we had one carrier, we rode that carrier and wrote everything. And honestly, to the detriment of our relationship with other carriers that we, that we should have had relationships with. And it was kind of this vicious cycle where we, we, we kept writing with our guy or with our carrier and we, we didn't write with others. So we would lose business to them. And then we'd he- kind of hear bad things about them. And so it reinforced it. Like we don't want to work with them anyways. So I went into this meeting with one of these carriers because we, we lost the paper to the specialty contract. Um, and so we, we had this whole book of towing that we needed to try to find a home for. And so now we're scrambling last minute to like, try to like rebuild these bridges that we never had developed, which we should have over the years with these other people who wrote towing. And we're sitting down with the main, with the head, uh, head underwriter. And us, and I, I told him, I said, I literally have a guy, $30,000, uh, revenue account. And I sent y'all a BOR last week. And you declined it. Like, why in the hell do you get to decide who they work with? They're the client. Like, we're trying to take care of them. If they don't like their agent, who the hell are you, Mr. Carrier, to tell them who they can and can't work with? And and it's and and he, you know, kind of fumbled around. And and I do like him. He's a nice guy, but they've taken the stance uh that they just don't honor BORs. And uh I, I, I don't think it's fair to the client. I think it's a stupid policy. Uh, they basically said something to the effect of um, they don't want to get into a pissing war, pissing match where it's like, because they'll get a BOR, then it gets rescinded, then it gets signed again. So they, they think that they're doing the best thing for the client by just removing the drama. But it's also like, you're three steps removed. Why the f- do you get to decide? Like, you're, you're just the paper. You, you write the policy. I'll decide what's best for the client. Uh, But, you know, I don't know that there's a right answer. Um, Luckily they didn't, you know, tell me to screw off and leave the room. Uh, And we have since built a relationship with them, but you know, some people just have your, your, I guess what I'm saying is you're not the only one, Jonathan, right? Like it's, it's a tough spot, man. Uh, And and we got to try to be, we got to try to be as diplomatic as we can be. We don't want to burn bridges, but we, 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 I think me personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with planting your flag in the ground and, and, and speaking what you think is right for the client. And you know what, if that pisses them off, then they got fragile thin skin anyways. And, you know, I don't know. I I don't know that I'm the best person to answer this because I tend to get fired up. So sounds like you're doing a good job. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think also, you know, what's frustrating to me is when a carrier says that, like, uh, we don't want to, we're trying to, like basically it's kind of like the government, right? Like we're going to make a decision for you because we just don't think that you are maybe smart enough to know. You can't see, (laughs) you can't, you can't see all sides and make the best decision. So we're just going to make the decision for you. No, that pisses me off. Like, right. I don't care if I'm dumber than you, Mr. Scientist or Mr. Government guy, bureaucrat. I want to know all the information. Let me make the decision. Even if my decision's wrong, I will sleep better at night. I will be happier. I made the wrong decision. than you making the decision for me and assuming that, you can do what's best for me. I hate that. And um, yeah, and I yeah. can tell you first thing, 
clients have come a wrong way. BORs have been, uh, there's been this issue with them for 20 years. They've a lot more people and we're in the trenches understand how they work, right? They understand that deal. They've gotten more sophisticated with, they're not just signing it away. We still will stumble on businesses who kind of foolishly do that, but that's just a, that's, that's a BS uh, excuse by that carrier, you know, like yeah. we're trying to protect yeah. the clients. Like, no. At the end of the day, they're just doing what's easiest for them, and they're trying to protect their business. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, Um, well, and there's one carrier, and there's maybe several. I just know there's one kind of bigger carrier. Um, I don't have a contract with them, but they don't accept BORs at all, right? That's part of their standard, and that's part of their pitch to agents. We don't accept BORs. And I'm like, I just don't like that. Even as the agent who's protected, like we have BOR protection. I'm like, that's just, to me, I don't know, it's. To me, I could sell against that because if I'm competing and let's say someone's rep, someone's with that carrier and the client wants to leave them, I could go to the, the client and be like, so how does it make you feel that you can't change agents right now? You're basically locked in. If you want to stay with this carrier, you have to stay with this agent. And did, were you aware of that? No, no. Yeah. So it's just stupid to me. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's, but but that's I'm, why I, but, that's why I saved that, that question for last because I figured we might have a, yeah. an opinionated take on it. But that I would say this: the carrier who who has planted their flag in this, you know, by all means, if you're a carrier and you want to say, "Hey, we're not taking BORs," that's fine. I have more respect for the carrier who has that stance and they're just upfront about it. Like, "Hey, we're not accepting BORs at all. BOR protection." Well, um, I'd rather have that person than the carrier you were just talking about, who's just like kind of wishy-washy and we're not going to accept them. You know, just at least let us know where you stand. Yeah. Um, so silly. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Well, let's let's wrap it up. I think uh, I think we answered all the questions. Uh, so kudos to everybody who left us one. Again, we appreciate you subscribing. Uh, it means a lot to us. And, um, you know, especially a lot of the feedback. I don't know about you, Micah, but like, you know, just thank you so much or it's revolutionary or whatever. It feels uh, I don't know. That's why we do it. It feels good. I, I <laughs> a lot of times it doesn't feel like you're having an impact. Um, but obviously for some people we are. So uh you know, we'll keep coming back and keep doing this thing for you. Yep. We appreciate you guys really do. And uh, maybe if we get enough, Max will be able to afford um, a better mic. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and some teeth. <clears throat> yeah. And some, All right. Yeah, maybe te- teeth first, Mike second. <laughs> <laughs> Got a face made for phone sales. All right. Uh, adios everybody. We'll see you next week. Hasta luego.